Speaking truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, Wednesday, March 16th, 508. Hope you're enjoying your drive. It's a nice day out there. Love to see that. Well, it is whatever Wednesday. I am Commander Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln, and Johnny Cadillac is on the producing board. It is call-in day, Rick Stein Recognition Hotline, 402-479-1400. Text line is open. Give me your thoughts. Uh, Johnny has a bet with me um, with what the first subject is going to be, and I'm kind of like, well, I what if I say something? Then I might jade the audience. So we were we we're trying to hold out to see what's on um, people. Is it? Is, is, is we, it really? Oh, we got a caller, Johnny. Oh, Get man. to work. <laughs> Get to work. So we'll be able to do this. This is great. Um, certainly, I have a deck of things that I think are interesting. And maybe we want to talk about. Uh, but like I said, it's whatever Wednesday. I I truly enjoy, and I think the people, the listeners, enjoy um, also just hearing. Um, what's on everybody's mind. You wouldn't believe on my show, would you, that Richard would be right. the first caller. But we've got another caller, so uh let's uh let's go to Richard why Johnny gets caller too. Richard, you're on live drive time Lincoln. Well, uh Commander, uh my thought for today is that we have a lot of people concerned about the increasing price of gasoline. And I'd just like to suggest that if people are feeling pinched financially by having to pay a lot to fill up the gas tank, they give our Star Trek bus system a try. <laughs> All right, Richard. I love it. You always figure a way. He always figures a way. And, and I just, I, I can't. I enjoy the fact that Richard is an avid listener. I have to be honest, audience, nothing against everybody else. Richard has to be the all-time Drive time Lincoln. Maybe he was the all time drive time Lincoln with Colby Mack too. You uh, lost the bet though. I did. I did lose the bet. <laughs> I did lose the bet. I I kind of got lost when Johnny Cadillac asked me. It literally took me like a minute to answer, and I thought, well, uh, maybe Ukraine and and this new aid package, and you know what just happened today with President Zelensky talking to a joint session of Congress. Um, but nonetheless, no, we got Richard, and what I'm going to say is uh, Richard is not wrong. He believes in uh, Star Tran. He believes in rail. Um, he's passionate about it. I think most of you that know Richard know that he uh, uh, always kind of stumps for that, and he would not be wrong. He would not be wrong one way, shape, or other in saying that, hey, if gas prices are bothering you, uh, get yourself a bus ticket and uh plan your day a little differently and get around town on the bus. That would be one way to do it, uh, Richard. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I was probably going to maybe get a little feisty if you started talking about different ways we should change our driving habits. Cause I don't think we're there yet. America. I'm just imagining riding star Tran and then the bus driver says, okay, you need to get out of the, out of the bus here and uh, start putting gas in the gas tank. Like, Luckily, that won't happen. No, well, we hope it won't happen. You never know. Um, interesting enough, uh, we've already got a second caller, but hey, again, whatever Wednesday, we started off good. I didn't have to lead in with anything, which is great. We're just going to hear what's on your mind. Um, again, the uh, call line's open the entire show today. I will say this. Uh, maybe think about this, folks. Uh, Governor Pete Ricketts will be on Drive Time Lincoln tomorrow, the entire hour. 
in studio. Um, so feel I have a really good relationship with the governor and we've been able to, you know, ask some questions, but maybe you've got a question for the governor that you'd like to text into the text line or email me at commanderjack at KLN.com or call it in today. Um, and I, I feel pretty confident that we'll be able to get those questions in for you. Um, cause I don't know yet as I kind of make up the show each time I come in, whether or not we'll take callers tomorrow. So maybe think about that. Uh, let's go to Debbie on line two. Debbie, welcome to drive time Lincoln. Hey commander. How are you I doing? I'm getting really, I'm doing great, but I get so tired of, re, of the downtown area having traffic lanes removed for bike lanes. And they're talking about doing that now again on P and Q. Uh, and it's either removed 89 parking stalls or taking out a traffic lane in order to put these enhanced bike lanes in. I just am getting really tired of nobody ever asking those of us that drive on those streets or any businesses along those streets how they feel about it. I think that's totally wrong to just make an assumption that we will all agree that this is a great move for people riding bicycles. And I have yeah. nothing against people riding bikes. I mean, they can legally ride on, on where the cars go. They shouldn't have to have their own designated lane all the time, everywhere, downtown. Now, this especially is, to remove parking places. I, I got That's you. I got you. Let me ask you a question, though. And, and it's purely your opinion. And you could say, I don't want to answer. Why do you think we're getting this done? Well, I mean, what what is, in your opinion, why we're we're trading parking stalls and drive space for bike lanes? Because the city is constantly pushing for people to be, you know, uh, more uh, different modes of transportation okay. than cars. Okay. That's why. All right. Appreciate the call. Yeah, let me give it some thought. It's so funny how life sometimes just... Uh, bounces around. So I was downtown yesterday and, uh, you know, I don't even know the streets very well. Um, I don't know that I ever did even when I was in college. And I will say, you know, we, I did a lot of running back then. So we ran around downtown. I rode my bike to college almost every day. So, you know, we rode our bikes everywhere. Um, even back then, Lincoln was a good city for bike trails, um, throughout the city. And I know, since I've been gone and come back, that the the city's expanded, and I think that's a neat thing. I think that's a good thing. It promotes health and wellness. Um, it does make it safe. But I will say, I have heard various people mention the bike lanes kind of downtown in lieu of roads. And I yesterday I, I made a right turn uh, to try to get from somewhere to Antelope, and there I, I went. I went right by what has to be one of the newest bike lanes, and it seemed awkward. I mean, I'm just saying from me, a driver, it seemed like it was awkward and just tr- it fit in there. Um, and uh, and that's my first impression. Now, certainly I think everybody in this city knows that parking is just a huge issue in, in downtown Lincoln, Nebraska. Anywhere. Parking's a huge issue at the university. It's a huge issue in the Haymarket and all around downtown. Now. That's not to say we haven't done a good job building up parking structures and different, um, I guess, architecture to try to alleviate that. Because we have. I mean, you can see it. We have some really neat uh, design and buildings, and and I think that we're constantly doing that. Um, and, and I guess my point on it would be, Debbie, I'm curious 
as to how much, right, it's it, everything I think, you know, when we're talking about taxpayers' dollars and what we're going to do as a city, everything's about priority and everything's about, you know, I guess usefulness and efficiency. And so the the real question is, is A, how much are those used, right, the actual bike lanes, you know, by how many people and what is the benefit um, either to reducing traffic downtown, certainly to the individuals that do that, increasing their health by not driving. I would uh, uh, assume there is some kind of green thing tied to the idea as well, you know, reducing carbon footprint, you know, versus um, having, say, you said it, not me, you know, 89 other parking spots, which essentially could be, you know, 80 cars each day and and what is that and then of course the cost right because if it's parking spaces the city's getting money i believe from those parking spaces so then what's the cost what's the benefits to us as a city and what are the detractors or the negatives to us as a city and then i would say i mean if i was on city council or planning board you know i would want to know when that is realized meaning it takes time for you know set amounts of number of bikers to not drive their car to recoup let's say it's a three million dollar investment to do that and you know when do we recoup as a city our three million dollar investment on that in various ways and that's how I would feel about it I would agree with you I'm sure there's some politics involved obviously um, I've said that, you know, there are some places that actually need kind of bike areas and there's other places where they seem forced, at least the one I saw seemed forced a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, it went through and it appears we're expanding. So I think, you know, like a lot of things I talk about, a lot of this just comes down to elections and why elections matter and what people in power decide to do with taxpayers dollars and how they decide you know in their time frame um what to spend it on i and no and by the way nobody was on that bike lane when i was there i mean it's probably busy uh with people going to work and people not going to work um or returning home so they can't listen to drive time lincoln in their car they have to use the app and stream it um <laughs> But then again, we're a multi-climate city. So then is it realistically usable, you know, two, three months out of the year, maybe four? I don't know. But, but either way, uh, even to bring back to Richard's comment, those bikers wouldn't have to worry about paying those gas prices if they're riding their bike. No, no, no. You don't have to worry about gas if you ride a bike. There's, There's no doubt about that. So, you know... I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I suspect. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if anybody's done the analysis. It's an interesting one. It definitely bothers Debbie. Worth talking about. You know. Um, so, whatever. It is a whatever Wednesday. So, <laughs> those are my thoughts on it. Again, no doubt about it. Uh, Star Tran bus would would help you save on gas prices, uh, but you know you still have to. I think pay. I don't. I haven't used Star Tran bus, and uh, yeah, the bike lanes. We're big on bikes here, um, as a matter of fact. And uh, 
you know, I, again, I don't know if the, uh, I don't know if it's worth the payoff. We're going to find out probably in the next 30 years. But uh, call in Rick Stein Recognition Hotline 402-479-1400. What's on your mind? Again, the governor will be on tomorrow. Friday, we will have Matt Innes, who really is an activist on a lot of different things, kind of a conservative watchdog, if you will. I do want to say this. This is interesting. I got a lot of emails, a lot of texts yesterday um, through the night and even this morning. And I think, you know, and I, and I fully admit, I probably from voice inflection yesterday, um, it felt like uh, Secretary of State candidate uh, Bob Bohr that, um, you know, I was in favor or even maybe stumping for. Um, that That is not the case, folks. I want you to understand, number one, um, I, I do not endorse or support any candidate, right? I mean, I do that in my private time, um, like the rest of you. Um, my goal when candidates come on here is, uh, especially the candidates, is to give them the time to talk about their platform and and their thoughts of how they were motivated or what continues to motivate them to serve. And uh, And by no way how I was helping Bob, you have to understand, I think, you know, remember we talked about it, uh, Bob is is new really to the public circle, brand new. Uh, I believe that was his first radio interview uh, about running for Secretary of State. So I did my level best to help kind of guide along an interview so that we could, um, you know, get to his his things. And I'm not saying he can't do them. I'm just saying I, I feel like for everybody, it's my job when they come on here to help facilitate, get the information out that is their campaign, their candidacy. Um, and so by no means, um, because what I think the fact that he is a little bit like me in the sense, right, we both served a long time, you know, firemen, um, there's a kinship there, you know, and there's a kinship and an understanding almost, a you know, um, you know, like second cousins or brotherhood where you can hear that come out in Bob and I's voice, um, but make no mistake about it, you know, uh, Bob board, that was his interview and, you know, I am not endorsing or, uh, excited for any candidate. I'm going to try to provide you all the candidates I have, I can, that will come on here and we'll talk about issues. And, you know, in that race, you know, I'm still trying to get Rex Schroeder on here because this is at this point a Republican primary um, between the incumbent Bob Ebden, Rex Schroeder, and obviously Bob Bauer. So I, I want you to know that. Um, and I'll tell you, I mean, it, this is a hard race. I mean, you look at a lot of hard things going on right now um you know one of the things that might be on a lot of people's mind is is election integrity you know that's fair um you know i'm surprised we haven't had more callers about that um but i will tell you this i mean we've had secretary of state evnan on and you know he is fighting like tooth and nails and and he's talked about not only on this show but many shows what he's trying to do um you know to shore that up if you will or or to you know, get that flowing so that there is public trust. And so I think it's a little bit, you know, when we're listening to the show and we hear multiple candidates on and we have some polarizing uh, issues, in this case, election integrity, you know, uh, current Secretary of State Bob Evnen is in the seat and he's working working hard to get it done right now. At the same time, he's been on as a candidate and explained why he wants to continue to serve and you know, and that is what our job is here is to get you the information and to hear these candidates and their thoughts. And then we will all go out 
and uh, cast our votes. Um, so please know that. And like I said, I've made some inroads with uh, the d- local Democratic Party here. And I'm hoping that as we get through the primary, we'll have Democratic candidates on or independents. Uh, I want as many candidates to come on this show so we can go right through that and get everybody educated so that we're motivated to vote and we know what the heck we're voting for. 1,499.3 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1,499.3 KLIN. All right, a slow whatever Wednesday right now. Uh, call lines are open, 402-479-1400. Of course, we only have two minutes right now, so you might want to hold on until the uh, bottom of the hour, and we'll get to it in second segment. Um, we'll say this, Dave, i got to take you for your word at it. Uh, he, he's talking about Debbie's reference to uh, bike lanes downtown. Uh, Dave's telling me uh, they're not parking spots or meters. It's a residential area with higher traffic counts during commute times. I'll take you at your word for it. I mean, that's a justification for it. Um, and, you know, I, I got to be honest. It's just it's interesting to me, um, you know, what what goes on and what's important to us. I, for me, I mean, I, I don't know if the bike lanes necessarily at this point in Lincoln history raise the meter for me. Um, I think there's other issues out there. I mean, even even thinking about Ukraine and the $800 million package we just passed, you know, whether that's helpful or not helpful. Um, clearly, if you're a conservative, I think there's a lot of stuff going on uh, because of a primary where there's a lot of conservatives running in the county um, and statewide. Um, there's, you know, incumbents and there's challengers. There's a lot of new people I know uh, running for office around the county. So, you know, that that's something that's going to affect us all moving forward. Um very interesting governor's race, if you ask me. I mean, I've said that before with former President Trump supporting Herbster, the, the incumbent governor supporting Jim Pillen. Um, you've had uh, former Governor Heineman supporting Jim Pillen and others. Um, now, now you have Lieutenant Governor Foley supporting um, Herbster. You have Lindstrom, you know, kind of those three running towards the top. So I, I think it's a really interesting time for a governor's race and what's going on. And we kind of know the the ads we've been seeing. We know the Nebraska deal. Get Nebraska out of the governor's race. I don't know how any politician could run here in Nebraska without Nebraska stuff. But anyway, 1,499.3 KLIA. Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1,499.3 KLIN. All right, we're back. Uh, second segment here on uh, Whatever Wednesday. Call lines are open. Rick Stein Recognition Hotline 402-479-1400. Text lines open, too. We'll get to it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot going on. Like I said, uh, state senators supporting uh, the $800 million aid package, if you will, to Ukraine. I think that's a good thing. I'm all about de-escalating as much as we can. I'm not really sure how you de-escalate with the way... Uh, the Russians and President Putin are acting right now, um, but I certainly support us giving all the aid we can um, so that the Ukrainians can fight back. And it's just a really bad situation there. No doubt about it. Let's go to Johnny, line one. Hey, thank you for taking my call. You bet. Um, well, I haven't really been paying attention a lot to what the governor's been talking about when it comes to water and the plat coming from Colorado. 
Okay. Um, I was just kind of interested. Maybe he'll be able to talk more about it tomorrow, but uh, I was just wondering, like, you know, how expensive something like that's going to be. Um, $500 million. If it's really actually going to be worth it in the long run, if it's all just going to dry up and all that. So that's all I was kind of wondering. Uh, I know he'll probably talk a little bit about it. But, okay. Um, I'll get him to clarify the plan. I know that in his initial presser and all the stuff that has went out, um, the initial cost estimate for the canal system is $500 million. And uh, uh, with regard to kind of the other questions about, you know, how it'll be executed and, you know, where the water goes and how will Nebraskans utilize it, uh, I think I'll be able to get that question if if he doesn't just cover it himself. Uh, yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah, that'd be interesting. I'm also just wondering, uh, I didn't know that water was a constitutional right or if that's just the agreement between Colorado and Nebraska or how that works. Uh, well, my understanding is not a not a Seahouse lawyer, but uh, there is an agreement and has been an agreement longstanding between Colorado and Nebraska on how much water we actually get. And a uh, quick search by me uh, showed that uh, Colorado is uh, doing a ten billion dollar project over so many years to try to you know keep all of their water or keep a majority of it, and uh, that may impact Nebraska water flow, obviously water flowing east off the Rockies. So that's kind of the background, Johnny. You know what I mean? And there's an interstate pact and an agreement. And uh, so that's, I guess, kind of where it comes from. All right. Well, thank you for taking my call. Have a good day. All right. Thanks, Johnny. Johnny, long-time listener, long-time common caller, as we like to say. And yeah, I mean that'll be a fair question. I mean, I mean, I'm kind of curious on uh, the Big Lake. If uh, I can't even tell you right now, you know where that's at, but I believe the canal system and the lake system is kind of in some, I think, some way, shape, or form connected. And we'll ask Governor Ricketts about that, without a doubt. Again, whatever Wednesday call lines are open, text lines are open. I know a lot of people. Um, and probably rightfully so because of my background, you know, have, have asked, um, about Ukraine. And, and like I've said, I, I've been a big fan of de-escalation as best we can, um, and, and keeping our military out of it. I just, uh, with what's going on internally, socially in America right now, I, I would be a big fan of us spending a few years figuring out kind of our own issues. Um, certainly, you know, we have to continue to provide defense of our citizens and our security agreements. But nonetheless, I I think at this point we understand, you know, decisions made ahead of time and maybe some, you know, foreign policy snafus have kind of helped Russia feel emboldened to do what they did. Nonetheless, it's terrible. A nation invading another nation. Um, There's been war crimes. They're playing as day to sea. And so the human loss of life, you know, is terrible. And, and I'm torn by saying that because, you know, as a former service member, I would say that I, I feel like besides our defense, which is what we pay for and, and what our primary mission is, you know, Ukraine to me is, is a very good reason why we have the capability in our militaries that we do to be able to help others. And so, you know, I'm very torn from the fact that at some level we could have an impact there. Um, 
but at the same time, we've had, you know, 20 years of warfare ourselves. Uh, socially, we're at a really interesting point. Politically, we're at an interesting point. And because it's uh, the Russians and because it's President Putin and what we know about China, you know, there is a real, real threat of escalation, which, you know, in my time in the military, that wasn't really ever an issue. It wasn't an issue. We didn't have to worry about escalation of things leading necessarily to other things. But, you know, this uh, this has to be handled with uh, the utmost discretion, and I hope that all of our leaders are up for it. And uh, I think that what they've done with the $800 million today in the form of weapon systems, um, surface-to-air missiles, Javelin anti-tank missiles, as well as light armor weapons. And, uh, you know, if you look at the actual kind of down to the infantry level weapons, you know, we're providing, you know, roughly a battalion, battalion and a half of equipment, you know, that they could field in uh, people that are willing to fight, if not, you know, their own military just as backup. And, of course, beans, bullets, fuel, you know, those are all important things in a conflict. Very, very important. I mean, I my friends in logistics would tell you, and I would agree with them, although while I was on active duty, I didn't want to believe it, but it is logistics that wins wars. And it is the constant flow of equipment and, again, things to feed an army, things to fuel an army, things to fuel a resistance, to arm a resistance. Um, Logistics is a big part of it. And so uh, the stuff we are sending over you know, I have to concur. I would hope that doesn't escalate it. I, I've heard a comment by Jen Psaki that, you know, the reason we're not big on the airplanes, the MiGs out of Poland is they're an offensive weapon. Well, that I, you know, that is true in the sense they, they can be an offensive weapon. They're also a defensive weapon. It's, it seems pretty simple, right? I mean, if another place has aircraft and capability in the sky, um, you really only have two ways to defend yourself, and that's from essentially guns and missiles on the ground, and then obviously other aircraft to shoot those aircraft down. But um, yes, you know, I I can't sit here, folks, for you, and I don't think anybody can, and um, say what an esca- what Vladimir Putin would say is an escalation, and therefore you know maybe expand this war into more of Europe. Um, and I think our intelligence professionals, you know, as, as as they do, they are giving the best estimate, and it is truly an estimate, and that's what intelligence is. It's a best guess um, to what that might be, and so we will go with shoulder-launched surface-air missiles, javelins, anti-tank. We'll go with uh, light armor and anti-armor systems as well as unmanned aerial vehicles. And listen, if you don't have those things, you know, as well as enough arms for a battalion plus on the ground, if you don't have those things, you know, those can be game changers. They will certainly be well received by the Ukrainian defense forces and military. So uh, it's an effort. And it's just, I think it's going to be day by day on this Ukrainian thing. It's interesting. Uh, and uh, I, I want it to get settled. I don't want to see mass conflict in in the globe. Ah, Richard has called in again. Richard, welcome back. 
Thank you. I was very interested in Debbie's call, and uh, I'm I'm familiar with the various uh, bike paths that we've got in Lincoln. We need to be very careful where we locate them, and we've got a couple that are very poorly located on 14th Street and 11th Street. Those are in the middle of the street. The bikes and the automobiles and the buses are intermingling, and it's very dangerous. The best, safest way to do bike lanes is along the curb. And we have a good example of that when we redid 13th Street about a year ago. The bike paths are along the curb rather than out in the middle of the street. Um, Another thing that I don't think a lot of people realize is that if you're a bicyclist, you can extremely uh, extend your range by putting your bike on a StarCran bus. All the StarCran <laughs> buses have bike racks on the front. So if you live in southeast Lincoln and you want to ride a bike trail in northwest Lincoln, uh, you don't have to pedal the whole way. You can save your energy and put the bike on the bus, take the bus out to northwest Lincoln and do the trail, and then take the bike uh, on the bus on the way back home all right richard uh, you, you got three minutes today thank you for the call oh richard he's he's a master i almost can't stop it now because i just expect it and i i do love listening to him and he's not always about StarTran or bikes um or rail i mean he has a lot of well thought out uh, almost investigative work on on a lot of subjects in our community and hey Said before, it's people's platform. If you want to call in, call in. I haven't, I haven't turned anybody away that we could get on air. I, I try to get everybody on. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, well, he brings up a good point though about, uh, you know, how you do it. I, you know, all I know is Johnny told me that Johnny has found himself driving down the bike lanes <laughs> more than than he would care to. And uh, at least the ones downtown that I saw are certainly wide enough for that to happen. So I I do suspect that happens, and there is traffic, you know, right right there. Um, and then Richard's, you know, saying, "Hey, let's let's do it like we did on 13th Street, where it's next to the curb." Um, tell you what, um, hey, it's been uh, essentially two and a half calls today. So there's some people that are paying attention to that. It's on the list but uh, priority wise you know for me i've got it i've got it down there a little low but yeah i'm always a fan of doing things a little more efficient and better as best we can and uh in the end of the day you know i don't even know the backstory of why we went to them other than you know if they're in high traffic areas and um it would reduce that and obviously if we have a community that wants to ride their bikes to work and stuff like that you know and we feel we've got the space then Okay, we've we've provided that. And like I said, I'm sure there's some kind of green. I mean, we might even have got green money from federal government to do that. I don't know. Um, but I'm sure there's some tie-in there. There's no doubt about it. So poor Johnny's busy on the call lines right now. We'll get to those callers in just a second. But, yeah, I mean, the Ukraine thing, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not everybody follows conflict and war. Uh, I think it's a big one. I think it's a big one because it can throw us off what I think, you know, we need to be focusing a lot as best we can internally right now um you know and there's a lot of issues just uh, we know we came into this presidential election you know a little bit divided and i i wouldn't say that the you know covid didn't help but you know we've probably stayed divided and uh 
It's been harder to solve our internal problems, not only nationally, statewide, locally. I mean, we're dealing with the fairness ordinance. Don't know when that you know decision is going to be made by city council on that. Haven't heard anything. Uh, what I have heard is you know it's fifty fifty. It could be voted on. It could be rescinded. Um, I I would just hope that all of us are not satisfied if it's just held. Um, I don't know what that timeline is, but I I think that that decision you know should be made within a month without a doubt. So let's go to Brian on uh, line three. I think he wants to talk about Ukraine. Hello. Oh, I was so I was so hoping you'd call in today. Well, I've been mainly fighting the propaganda war against the people uh, pumping for Putin, uh, dealing a lot with uh, useful idiots for Putin on the left. Who who's and, been de- who's been pumping for Putin? I mean, what have they been saying? Well, you know, there's the horseshoe theory where uh, the extremes come together around crazy, okay. and like you know, the leftists I argue with will like say that uh, you know the party of plutocrats is the one that uh, wants to tax richer people at a higher rate than the poorer people and that Biden is owned by the fossil fuel industry because he won't ban fracking and still permit some pipelines. Okay. But where they come together around is saying that uh, Ukraine is corrupt and NATO is corrupt and all the bad people were the ones who supported the people of Ukraine when they threw out the corrupt Putin puppet in uh, 2014. But also, you know, if you comment or actually troll one right-wing site, soon you get them all popping up online. So I've been trolling them, too. (laughs) And there are just a few searches I was hoping you might do to better understand what's happening with Ukraine. Now, one of them would be uh, Manafort and Ukraine, which would bring up all about how he was the campaign director for the corrupt Putin puppet that got thrown out and how he came over to the U.S. and became uh, Trump's campaign manager, then campaign manager for the party. (laughs) Then the other one would be uh, Manafort and polling, which would be about how he gave uh, Republican Party campaign data to Russian military intelligence. And, uh, you know, there was also having taken aid out of uh, the Republican Party platform for Ukraine, having that taken out of the party platform. All right, Brian, I've I've got to take a break. I've got okay. to take a break. Appreciate All the right. call. Thanks for taking the call. Okay, fourteen hundred ninety nine three KLIN. You're getting the four one one from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. All right, we're finishing up this whatever Wednesday here on March sixteenth. Little ugly weather coming tomorrow. I do want to say to many of you, I appreciate the emails. I got a lot of emails about the Natalie Weiss interview um, and presenting both sides. And like I said, I I think there's more there and and we'll be able to explore it as we go right now. Uh, Like I said, the city council has the ball. I think it's good to, uh, at least on this show, we've heard both sides and I think we've been fair and I'm kind of waiting to see what happens with that. Um, but I do appreciate those emails. Those are always nice to get. Honestly, Brian, I, I'm going to have to research a little bit, a lot of bit. Um, I generally know you've called in, you're pretty consistent on your policies and who you like, who you don't like, what you don't like. Um, uh, but that one threw me for a loop. Um, so I'll just admit you're talking way above my head right there. And so I will try to get on these Manafort, uh, things and look them up. Uh, Jack, another caller that we took offline. Um, 
frustrated a little bit with some of the U.S. actions, you know, previous over the last eight years inside Ukraine that he was explaining to me that um, a lot of us don't know about. And I'll be honest, I, I don't know all about them either. Yes, there was, uh, I think we, a lot of us know there was some corruption in Ukraine, maybe a lot. Um, and in the end, uh, there's no doubt Vladimir Putin is doing what he feels is best in his national interest. Um, and in the end, I mean, there's a lot of jockeying that goes on between nations, especially the big powerful ones like the United States, China, and Russia. And as far as we go on this day, I'm for giving them aid. I'm for keeping U.S. troops out of it, and I'm all for de-escalation as best we can. 1,499.3 KLI.